What's up, everyone? Welcome to our review of The Mandalorian, Episode 5, The Gunslinger. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and YouTube. This review will mostly be spoiler content, so this is your friendly reminder and warning to abort the mission if you want to remain spoiler-free. So, John, how are you feeling right now? You know, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Uh, we're obviously going to get into more of our thoughts pretty soon, but I feel like this is going to end up being either a, more of a controversial episode or maybe down the road it'll end up uh, setting up a lot of things that will be paid off later so i'm hoping it's the latter but i guess we're gonna find out soon yeah at this point into episode five of this series the only thing we can hold on is hope so yeah so we're gonna start off with the plot and then uh, we're gonna get into what uh both me and john feel like with this episode the things we like the things we didn't like and all of that so without further ado here's the plot mandalorian has a dogfight in space and he barely wins this was pretty cool to see there was a uh, the, another bounty hunter coming after him in the asset. After this fight, in which he barely wins, he lands on Tatooine and goes to the Moss Eisley spaceport for repairs, which is a pretty cool callback. Uh, we get to see the pod racing droids, a goofy old woman who does the repairs, and she also takes care of Baby Yoda because Mandalorian just has some. The Mandalorian is like certain people in this world who leave the kids in the car. Don't do it. Please don't do it, everyone. <laughs> It's a bad thing to do. Mando heads into the cantina, and on his way there, he sees stormtrooper helmets on pikes. Pretty ominous. I like this shot. Did you like this shot? I did. I'm glad we finally get to see it. And you, I think you mentioned it to me, maybe not in an episode, but you kind of thought it was going to be on ta- Tatooine. So it looks like you called it. I yes. was wrong. It's not the uh, the planet that the client was on. Yeah, it's not on Jakku or the planet everyone was on. I'm I'm kind of glad it was on Tatooine. But going further, the bartender in the cantina has been replaced with a droid. How ironic, because at first there were no droids allowed. And uh, Mando asks for work as a hunter. He meets at this point an aspiring bounty hunter who for purposes we call store brand Han Solo or brand flakes um, because uh, his name is... Uh, Toro uh, Calican, and I would rather refer to him as Brand Flakes or Stir Brand Han Solo. Because that's what he is. Because that is what he is. That very much in agreement. So he says he has a job to capture a power, powerful mercenary named uh, Shan Fennec, or Fennec Shan, and she's done work for the Huts. Uh, Mando takes the job, but he gives warning to the mercenary and the only reason he takes the job is that uh or uh brand flakes says he'll give him the whole reward because he's just doing this job so he can get into the bounty hunters guild mando and brand flakes uh take speeders to travel across the desert looking for fennec which uh in this case like brand flakes has a lot of trinkets that are really nice it feels like he's buying everything and he's very wealthy with like daddy's money so i don't even know why he's a bounty he wants to be a bounty hunter he's already got more than the average person in space we have Brand Flakes and Mando use speeders to travel across the desert, and we get to see Mando broker a passage with the Tusken Raiders. The Tusken Raiders. It was kind of funny. They just snuck up on Brand Flakes, and Mando just watches the horror, and I think that's kind of funny. Mando's very calm in the situation. I like that. But uh, after they get passage from doing sign language with the Tusken Raiders and giving away the binoculars, Mando and Bran Flakes find Fennec after discovering a dead bounty hunter on a dewback, 
which is pretty cool. And Mando gets shot several times, but Beskar armor saves him. But they cannot get closer because Fennec is using a high-power rifle with a scope to keep the team from getting closer. So, yeah, you gotta watch out for those pot shots. But uh, the team decides uh, to do an ambush on Fennec at night. And this was a pretty cool action scene, how they did it, you know, on the speeders, shooting flares, blinding the scope. And I really enjoyed this part of it. And this was a nice action sequence. But Fennec is attacked by Bran Flakes after Mando gets shot down. And then eventually Mando comes back as Fennec is about to kill Bran Flakes and Mando saves him. Uh, Since Mando's speeder is broken, he goes back to the Dewback to use it as a transportation for Fennec. And Fennec is left alone with Bran Flakes. And they wait till the morning for Mando to come back. But before that happens, Bran Flakes is being manipulated by Fennec. Fennec is uh, trying to conspire against Mandalorian. She explains Mando eliminated a Bounty Hunter's Guild installation. Uh, do you remember the planet it was on? They did say it. I can't. I didn't write it down and i should have yeah but it, she mentioned the planet that it was on and like dollar signs just blow up in bran flakes eyes you could see it so after he finds out mando's story and about the asset he goes all game of thrones he kills fennec and then rides into the sunset or the sunrise to find baby yoda to go back to the spaceport uh mando finally arrives on Dewback to fennec and finds her dead and we get a great emotional shot of Mando looking down at her body, looking up, and then goes back to spaceport. It was great. So so when he gets back to the spaceport, he has his gun drawn, ready for, you know, he knows something's going down. And uh, Yoda, baby Yoda's being held hostage, and so is the caretaker, the repair lady, the goof. Uh, her name is Pelimoto, right? Yes. Yeah. Pelimoto is being held uh, captive by Bran Flakes. Bran Flakes is doing some evil stuff where he's just like, go ahead and cuff the Mandalorian, he tells Pelly to do. And he's telling him his evil plan and says like, ah, oh, you know, kind of egging him on. And then Mando shoots a flare. <laughs> so he shoots a flare right in front of the dude, blinds him and then shoots him. And yeah, that's basically it. He then pays off the ship repairs. The episode ends with, but first before it ends, it cuts to someone we don't know who, because they didn't do a face reveal. Someone in the desert finding Fennec's body. And that's how it ends. What a cliffhanger. Yeah, what a cliffhanger. I thought the cliffhanger could have been a little bit better. But yeah, that is uh, that is the plot. So yeah, we uh, obviously, like you talked about, we've got Pelimoto, who's just kind of this goofy character. It was a little out of character for like the, the tone that they've set up on this show and in Star Wars in general, but it, it feels a lot like uh, one of Dave Filoni's Clone Wars characters and just how goofy they can be sometimes. I could not agree more with you because that was exactly what was going in my head is that she <laughs> is a she's like an alien on a new world introduced in the Clone Wars and it's like, oh, look at this little goofball. Yeah, and, and uh, just because it was Dave Filoni's first directed and written by uh, credits, so he obviously had a lot of influence in this. Like you said, Toro Calican was definitely store brand Han Solo, which I, I thought was interesting when when they met in that cantina. They were sitting in the same uh, booth that Han Solo and Greedo were sitting in. And they, there's a lot of parallels between like their, their tones, uh, the way they uh, held themselves. Uh, so I kind of thought that was a, a fun little connection. Yeah, and Toro Calican was like, you know, did the the same body language, like... 
having his like hands against the walls super relaxed feet up a little bit but i would have really liked to have seen like um some blaster fire like a little like a little scar that would have been really cool but um i couldn't find it in the scene i guess they added like backsplash to where they were sitting compared to the original but uh, yeah yeah I, I really like you said that parallel was pretty cool i really enjoyed that yeah, and, uh, and Ming-Na Wen's character, Fennec Shand, uh, I thought was a, a pretty cool way to um, introduce a mercenary into the into the story here. And I thought she did a really good job with the episode. I can't believe that uh, they, they killed her off so soon. I mean, she only had maybe a couple minutes of screen time. I thought she was a really compelling character that I would have loved to see in more of the action sequences. But yeah, so I mean, obviously we're going to see who she's connected with and how far up the ladder she was. I'm I'm hoping that it's it's a big name actor and that we're gonna be introduced to them here in the next episode. But who knows? Yeah, I, I definitely I definitely was kind of disappointed that they Ming was it Ming Na was used only once. Like she's so, she's such a badass as an actress, uh, an actor, and she's just you know in one episode kind of like IG Eleven, just like oh you know here you go IG Eleven this killer robot and then it's just like gone in the first episode it's kind of disappointing and they keep doing this but we i hope we can get someone who does stick around you know at for for longer than one episode besides the mandalorian and baby yoda someone needs to join the crew someone needs to get on that ship well yeah and and my other big problem with it is that disney spent so long marketing all of these big name actors and it seemed like initially they were going to be like an integral part of the story but as soon as they're introduced, either they're killed off or they're kind of put on the back burner that maybe somebody like Cara Dune can come back in. But it doesn't seem like there's, at least right now, it doesn't seem like there's any direct way for her to be injected back into the story. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's, uh, it's almost like our, uh, our expectations for this season as far as uh, uh, characters was subverted. <gasps> Ryan Johnson? Yeah, exactly. Ryan Johnson. Uh, but, uh, yeah, those are the new characters been introduced and we're just going to go into, you know, what our thoughts are now. So John, uh, can you tell me a little bit about the episode, things you liked, things you didn't like, and some things that stuck out to you? Yeah. So we've kind of hit on it a little bit already, but there's so many callbacks to the prequel trilogy, to the original trilogy, um, that ship that, that initial bounty hunter was trying to shoot Mando down in. Uh, looked a lot like a prequel uh, speeder ship to me. The, the it looked like the Naboo the Mo- Naboo fighters, right? Yes, absolutely. Those uh, the speeders that they used to get out to the Dune Sea uh, look exactly like the ones they used in Endor uh, throughout the forest chase scenes, which I thought that was kind of a neat callback. Oh yeah, I, they looked. Um, they're kind of similar to those. They looked like they had more of a Harley type of feel compared to the ones on Endor. They looked like, um, if you remember the animated series for Star Wars, did you watch the, the, the Clone Wars, but the drawn one on Cartoon Network where the episodes are like five minutes each? I vaguely remember it existing, but I don't remember anything from the plot. Yeah, well, uh, it, it, they kind of X'd it out as canon when they came out with the better Clone Wars, but there is a... There's a battle in which someone is on a motorcycle, like a like speeder that looks like that, where it kind of looks like a Harley, and it's supposed to be a speeder, kind of like taking inspiration from Endor, but more Harley-esque. And that's where I look at the parallel here. It's like, oh, that looks like a design from the original Clone Wars series that they had. So I thought it was a pretty, if that's what they did with it, that's a pretty interesting 
uh, parallel. I don't think it's coincidence, but I thought those speeders like were really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the other big things that I was thinking about was that the Mandalorian in this episode was so uncharacteristically trusting of everyone around him. The fact that he was irresponsible enough to just leave Baby Yoda on the ship in a, a like a little hole in the wall, thinking that he'd be quiet and asleep the whole time when uh what's her name uh pelimoto finds him that uh he just trusts her to look after it knowing the value of this type of asset and he just completely leaves it with a stranger yeah that yeah that part pelimoto's character just in general is weird but yeah you're right he's so trusting either that or he's just very um negligent Mm -hmm. would be the other word to describe (laughs) his trusting yeah, and I, I think I mentioned it on a previous episode where I uh, may have speculated that maybe his connection with Baby Yoda is because he uh, was himself a parent in a previous life. I completely am disregarding that theory at this point, just with the way that he's handling this child. Um, but I also uh, thought that he was very trusting with Toro Calican. Uh, the fact that he was basically willing to put in all of the work to fight this highly trained assassin for... Um, all that he asked for in return was he just wanted the money. Uh, Toro just wanted the glory and the entrance into the guild. Um, but he was willing to put in all of this, basically risk his own life, because he knew he knew how highly trained uh, uh, Shand was, and he was still willing to go up against her. It just seemed a little uncharacteristic of him when there were probably other bounties and other types of work out there for him that he could have gotten hold of. But I mean, and maybe it was because of the time that he spent with that farming community uh, that kind of allowed him to loosen up a bit more and maybe softened him softened him up a bit uh, to trust someone like this that he thought was just young and naive and maybe he could uh, inspire and bring into uh the guild himself yeah that was a weird thing you bring up because it doesn't seem even for toro calican like his his character seems kind of like you know straight shot kind of like yeah this is what i want to do blah blah blah. and he seems loyal to mando until fennec's like hey he killed everyone in in the guild and then you know, suddenly the switch flips to him being cold-blooded and gonna extort the Mandalorian and stuff like that. It was just very weird because at first I thought, like, this guy, there's no way he's, like, he he's not being mischievous or anything like that. And all the way leading up till to the conversation he has with Fennec, it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't fit the character of being deceitful. He just seems kind of like some kid who's just like got his eyes set on being getting glory but he's willing to take the easy route and it doesn't seem at any point he has the intelligence to be that deceitful or playing a chess game where he's five steps ahead yeah absolutely and just kind of in talking this through here uh the other thing that i'm i'm just kind of surprised me was that uh after going through all that trouble of uh, fighting against the guild and knowing that they were hunting him down to hear that someone was trying to enter that same guild the fact that the mandalorian was willing to help him to get into that guild that was tra- chasing him down and maybe eventually would be pitting uh toro against him seems like very odd writing to me <laughs> absolutely it's like someone who t- who does like um it's like someone who does like drugs for a living and he's like i will never do drugs ever again and then someone's like yo man you want to sell drugs it's like yeah that seems like a good idea you know got to make that money 
Yeah, and the last thought that I had about the episode was the just kind of speculating about who that person was walking up to uh, Fennec Shand at the very end. Um, I've done some reading into this, watched a couple of videos, and the the sounds that you hear as that person is walking up to, to Shand's body, it matches the same sounds of Boba Fett walking around uh, when there's not anybody else talking. So like when you can clearly hear it's just him walking, you hear those spurs, spur type sound, uh, which I thought knowing Dave Filoni and his knowledge of the Star Wars universe to be the one to put that sound in um, seems very intentional to me. And either he's misdirecting us and it's going to be the introduction of Moff Gideon or it's their way to um, slide Boba Fett into the story because we we did end up on Tatooine and it's a big universe. You could have ended up on any planet. Um, we're near the Sarlacc pit. So we know that Boba Fett was at least around that area for some time and he wouldn't have a ship. So he's probably trapped on that on that planet. So I would be very uh, surprised and excited to know that that was Boba Fett. And maybe um, this is their way of pitting Mandalorian against Mandalorian, and which could lead to a pretty cool finale. And maybe Moff Gideon isn't really going to be the main villain for this season. Maybe it's going to be Boba Fett. Yeah, I, I gotta admit, I hate all of this speculation. Number one, why would Moff Gideon be in the desert by himself without stormtroopers or anything like that? He is a, he's a moth. Like I, I don't, I don't get it. Like, he, he needs to have, like, a contingency. He needs to have, like, you know, ATSTs. It makes no sense to me that it's him. Well, to be fair, we only saw it from the back facing Shan's body, so we don't know if there's not anyone behind him. And there could be other stormtroopers and, and bodyguards around him if it is Gideon. Bruh, I'm gonna let other people scout for me. I ain't doing it myself, just being <laughs> honest. But um, the thing about Boba Fett, so I think it would be cool if it wasn't Dave Filoni, and I'll tell you why. Because Boba Fett, is getting the Darth Maul treatment right now. Mm-hmm. And who resurrected Darth Maul? None other than Dave Filoni. So this is becoming his MO. And while that seems kind of cool, if it's done once and it's done right, which I think it was, that's great. But if you're going to do it now on live tel- on the on a live action, it just it doesn't feel the same for you that everyone's like, "Man, more Boba Fett." And then they put him in the Clone Wars series and like, "Yeah, thanks, bro." But, like, it's you already did it with Maul. And I think we are going to take away from the Mandalorian character if we add Boba Fett to the mix. I just, it may, for me personally, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel warranted, doesn't feel right. And I don't think anybody asked for this. If you're doing it for the shock factor, guess what? Uh, I will be shocked. But I, I'm, I want to see, I want to see them do more plot points that are done well rather than for shocking because if it is boba fett and the writing for him isn't that great or there's no great motivation you know and he's a villain against the mandalorian i'm gonna be upset but if they do something interesting where he joins the mando that would be cool but that doesn't really fit his his background his mercenary type background his plot for revenge it makes no sense for the boba fett character so if it is boba fett I find it very hard for them to make a compelling story for him. I'm just saying. 
No, that's fair. I think you've got uh, a lot of good points there. You're right, it is Dave Filoni, so who knows what all he would want to throw in there. But yeah, I'm one way or the other, I'm curious to see what they do. And it does seem like the series has been kind of subverting our expectations time after time. And I think we're discovering what the series is truly meant to be, rather than what it's been marketed as. Oh, that's like tearing out my heart right now, the way you said that. It's like, (laughs) the way marketing had us hyped up, and the way it is right now, subverting the expectations. Thanks, Kathleen. So let me go into my thoughts about this episode. And uh, I gotta admit, I actually enjoyed this episode, despite some of my criticisms that I've had. Uh, I liked the return to Tatooine. I know most fan base, most of the fan base, or not most of it, but a good portion of it hates the idea of like the series going back to Tatooine. Like it happened in the original trilogy, then we went back to Tatooine in the in the prequels. We and it's visited in the Clone Wars series, and people and people are some people are just like the George Lucas thing, like let's go to other planets. No, I'm fine with Tatooine. I like. I like Tatooine. They even go back to it a second time in in the uh, in the Return of the Jedi with uh, Jabba the Hutt. You know, I have no problem with it, and uh, I felt like there were callbacks that you saw in the originals with, uh, like you said, the the can the cantina with the way the body language is done, the prequels with the uh, droids, the uh, pod racing droids, and I also felt like there was a callback from the Knights of the Old Republic game with the Tusken Raiders and how. You know, Mandalorian is so well cultured that he knows to communicate with them for passage, and they don't immediately attack. I I liked that, and that how they came out of nowhere, out of the sand. Some people are like that's kind of stupid. Literally, that's what would happen in the game. Like you would not see any Tusken Raiders in some way; they just like appear, and and I may be fooling myself into thinking that they're geniuses by writing it that way, but maybe I'm wrong, and that fact i'm giving them the benefit of the doubt no and i thought that they uh they definitely did a great job of making them the tuscan raiders seem less like savages like they've been portrayed in um and like the original trilogy excuse me in the other games um and more like a uh, like a well-intentioned i mean they're like obviously it, in the, it, it, it drives from the source material of the knights of the old republic where you know you at first you think they are savages but then if you go more into the story quest you learn that like oh they actually have a culture and stuff like that they have outposts and you learn a little bit more that makes them seem less like that which is why like i'm i'm kind of interested in how that they set up that interaction yeah absolutely and like i like how the the mandalorian in this story is being elevated to be a super soldier uh in the way that he has uh he has a heightened iq for tactics he knows how to translate with the tuscan raiders so he's cultured he's resourceful and his abilities these abilities are really well balanced i think with the misfortune of the galaxy that he's running through it's good stuff for me yeah i i'm I keep every episode that comes out, I'm getting more and more invested in who the Mandalorian is, and I'm more interested in his character um, as a strategist, as just a, as a person who's wandering through the galaxy. I mean, obviously, you know that he is, um, he's been through a lot, and he, he knows a lot, and he knows how to get through any, almost any kind of situation. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, it, it really does add to the character, which we keep little by little seeing more and more of each episode, which is one of the more consistent things in the uh, series. 
But uh, the other stuff in this episode that caught me was the action and the dialogue. Now, the action itself, the idea for it, great. Shooting flares, blinding Fennec, I love that. The, however, execution of that was not too great. And this was Dave Filoni's first episode directing and written. So, uh, so far, anything that he does in the live action, it needs work. And I hope that's not all of his episodes are going to be like this. But um, but I, I like the ideas. And he usually does good stuff with ideas. He's he's definitely a great writer, I will say that. Um, as far as the space battle they had in the beginning, I thought it was pretty awful. Uh, even though it was cool to see a space battle finally, it just felt like two boats chasing after each other rather than a dogfight. That's how slow-paced it was. I didn't like it. Uh, which is kind of weird because Dave Filoni's uh, space battles in The Clone Wars was pretty dope. But, you know, it's different when you put it to live action. Dialogue fell flat for me. I didn't think it was that very good. Mandalorian had good dialogue, but the callbacks were what kept this afloat for me. Like the things like, oh, Beggar's Canyon. You can, uh, the bounty hunter in the beginning say, I can bring you in warm or cold. The, the stuff in the cantina, the, you know, Mando saying she has the high ground and the targeting computers on the on the ship and the reference to Mos Espa when Shand is like, hey, you know, I can, you know, we can go to Mos Espa, we can take a shuttle from there and I can pay you all this other stuff. But then it, I'm going to get to my overall thing with this episode is that I cannot get over the fact that this episode felt like filler to me. And until the end where you get the the cliffhanger that's the only thing that saves it from being you know a filler and with eight episodes i expect almost no b plot you know with how short this series is and we just keep getting it in the middle and in the middle is when you should have a lot of your drama like building this is the building stages and we're not getting that and i hope disney learns these mistakes going into season two and I swear to, I swear, if these are like execs who are calling these shots, I'm super disappointed. As the series goes on, my rating for this keeps getting lower as a series. Like with the first three episodes and how consistent it was with the A plot, I give it a B plus as a series. But with where we are now, I'm giving it a C. Because the only thing that's getting me excited for the next thing is like all the nostalgia hits they hit in this episode. And the... And the stuff that has to do with Baby Yoda. Yeah, what I'm really hoping is that we get some perspective by the end of the series. And that things that are introduced in all of these quote-unquote filler episodes um, tie into the final story and the, gr the bigger story overall. And that they don't seem like they're just kind of thrown away. But that everything was well-intentioned from the beginning. And that it all means something by the end. So that when we rewatch it later... We can say, oh, well, this led to this, led to this, led to Grand Mo or to Moff Gideon uh, arriving. So I'm, I'm just, I'm waiting for that perspective and I'm trying to be patient. Um, but yeah, I know it does seem like there is quite a bit of filler here thrown in. Yeah, and, the, and we'll just have to wait and see how episode six uh, goes off. And I, I really hope they begin to focus because uh, it's starting to lose that focus and i'm sure people will drop off if it goes south because i already seeing people in the community um there's a few podcasts i listen to and they're definitely critical of this past episode and i definitely get it and understand it and maybe for me this episode felt a little bit better than the last one but i'm still kind of disappointed and like you said in the beginning you know 
or like we said in the beginning, the only thing we can hope we can have at this point going forward is is hope. <laughs> so, yeah. Do you have any final thoughts as well? No. Again, I'm just I'm just curious to see where they're taking all of this and what direction it all goes in. I'm hoping that it all ties together. Um, and if not, maybe this is just the expositional season, and season two would be much more uh, well paced, not so much thrill uh, filler. Uh, I'm just I like I'm I'm enjoying it enough to continue investing in it, but I'm hoping that there's going to be a bigger payoff in the end. I could not agree more with you. But all right, everyone, that's been our episode of the. Uh, that's been our review of the Mandalorian episode five, the Gunslinger. And uh, we'll be doing another review next episode comes out. And uh, stick with us. Check us on all of our platforms with Spotify and uh, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, uh, for when we come out with a regular podcast later this week. So, yeah. Uh, we are in the Christmas season and holidays, you know, Hanukkah. So everyone have a wonderful holiday. Uh, we'll see you again uh, later next week. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.